to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, and I are gearing up for the top four teams in the Metro Division today as we have kind of tracked through most of the playoff teams through the NHL. Uh, that's our that's our goal. Most of the teams in playoff contention, I should say, uh, which in the Metro, in my humble opinion, there are only four teams that will make the playoffs. And uh, the the Blue Jackets eight points out. They're, they're out. I don't care. They're seven and three in their last ten. I don't care. They're they're out. Um, so we're looking at a four four team race here to see who maybe could jostle for position. That's about all we've got. Uh, do you have do you have thoughts to the contrary, Justin? You know, I still would like to put Columbus in the what if maybe they might just squeeze in scenario. I. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit more with Washington, but I, I have some some worries for them, and we will get into that for sure, especially with my my trade needs for them. And so, yeah, I think. Uh, by the way, hello and welcome back. Yeah, yeah, true. I was in I was in Florida. It was not not watching a hockey game. I wish I was, but I wasn't really anywhere. Well, I wasn't that close. I was in Orlando. <laughs> we did the Disney thing, you know. Well, oh, you know, not uh, I. Honestly, I actually saw multiple Kraken shirts while I was there. Really? Didn't really see much of anything else. Uh, you know, didn't see any, any, not, I don't think I saw any lightning or Panthers gear, which I get like Orlando is such a, such a touristy Touristy. spot, especially where we are, right? Like it's Disney. I, it's funny when you're driving around, the one thing I noticed at one point I went, man, everybody has a new car around here. Uh, oh, right, right. They're all rentals, right? <laughs> and when you get, when I got back or like when we, when we started driving home, it was like, oh, people do have garbage cars. This is where all the crappy cars went onto the, onto 75. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a fun trip. The, the kid had fun. You know, she's only 18 months, so she'll never remember it. But I was going to say how much of that. Does but she, she was really free. Know? She's free. Disney doesn't charge you for under two, so I don't know how. Oh, Disney, don't. Like, what would Disney do if you brought your two and a half year old and you said she's uh, twenty three months? What are they going to make you pull out a birth certificate? They just might get that uh, that petty about That's it. That's true. They might. Probably, they might. It hopefully is, not. It is Disney. They're going to call on call the mouse and they're going to take you in a back room and he's gonna he's gonna break you. Pull it Dude, right out. I don't of you. know if you if you listen or if came across it at all, but there's. It's like TikTok, funny Instagram story that keeps popping up on my feet all the time. And it's literally like Mickey Mouse in the hood is what it's called. And it's just <laughs> Mickey Mouse just, oh, open the door, Donald. And then next thing you know, you start hearing like pounding on the door. And he's just like, you know, Goofy's just go away, bitch. And, and <laughs> start hearing him smacking Goofy around. And Donald chimes in and, dude, it's the funniest thing ever. And it keeps popping up on my feed all the time. Nice. I'll have to look up gangster Mickey. And uh, show, show it to my 18 month old. It sounds <laughs> sounds right up her alley. She loves that. So. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's dive into uh, what we've got going on the Metro Division. I say we start at the top. You know that just makes sense to me to to kind of just go in from with the team that has, in my opinion, the most to lose this season because they are they're definitely all in. Uh, they've, they've had some heartbreaks the last uh, few years and haven't gotten as far as maybe they hoped. And the, the Carolina hurricanes won't run into who they, they lose to the Islanders. Now I'm blinking on who they lost to. I'll have to look that up. Everybody's lost to the Islanders the last few years. Right, right, (laughs) right. Uh, but the hurricanes, I think are, this is, this is the best iteration we've seen of the hurricanes, uh, maybe ever, even, even though they won the cup in 06, uh, that wasn't really expected. Nobody was. Nobody had them as the cup winners. I, I don't think if I, if my revisionary history is is correct, I don't think anyone had them as the the cup winners, uh, or, oh, no. or that many teams. They were kind of like a middling team, and they they well, peaked at the right time. Uh, nobody as did, expected as Edmonton to get there either. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, because Edmonton was going. Edmonton was the eight seed going up against the powerful Red Wings, and it was kind Let's of the Red like. <laughs> I mean, think the Red Wings won the cup what two years later, and it was Iserman's last little swan song. And do you mm-hmm. do you ever do you ever go back and think about this? That if the Red Wings had just forced Iserman to retire, 
uh, that maybe they would have had a competent player in his shoes and uh, they, they might have won that series and then won the cup. Uh, uh, bad form, <laughs> bad form. <laughs> Sorry, Stevie. Uh, he'll never <laughs> come Rolson on the show now. at another level, so... Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Steve Eiserman will never come on the show now. Oh. All right. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, they're, they're tops in the division. They're, they're, I mean, quite far ahead. I'd say it's kind of them and Colorado. Like They're the only team that could maybe push Colorado for that president's trophy, although Tampa Bay is uh, is giving everybody a run for their money right now. They've won five in a row, eight, one, and one in their last ten, but uh, it still it doesn't look like they'll be able to catch Colorado. Carolina, they're, they're kind of there. If they win their next game, you know, they're three points back, same games played, so uh, they, they do have a shot. Uh, with the team sitting pretty in first in the metro uh things have been going well all year what do you see this team doing down the stretch because they they have a nice setup their goaltending's good they they've got a good defense they've got a lot of depth on defense uh is this a, a scenario where they're they're just going for depth pieces and maybe a forward Sure. I mean, right. Most of those teams towards the top, right. They don't go out and make big splashes. They tend to, you know, play it quiet and just get a couple depth pieces really, uh, you know, outside of Boston, you know, not too many times do we see a, a team at the top of the division want to really upset that chemistry. Right. But I mean, let's be honest, this is the Carolina hurricanes. They're a team that likes to make big splashes. They don't like to go in for the depth pieces. And so to me, I think this is a team that's poised to, Especially because, again, this is a team that wants to go all in this season. Um, you know, especially with the Islanders looking like they're not going to make the playoffs, this might be the, the time to do it. Um, to me, a top four defenseman just smells right for this team. Um, and I say that because you know you look at you look at Tony D'Angelo, right? He's been phenomenal, playing way better than anybody thought he was going to play, especially at that one million dollar contract. Uh, Jacob Slavin, phenomenal defender playing great hockey you know brett pitt you know pesci is a great defensive defenseman back there and another great top four piece but brady shea he's been he's been okay this year for me i i don't have a problem with him um but i think you know honestly he to me he might be somebody who's better suited for a third line second power play unit type guy and so that's where i if anywhere if anywhere i think that maybe carolina might look to make a splash because I think they would like to move Brady Shea. They would like to move on from him and maybe bring in, uh, you know, maybe a Jacob Chikrin or bring in a, a John Klingberg and, Ooh, you know, make you a go. long-term commitment to someone like that, honestly. There you go. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, – I mean, it's it's hard because, you know, they are negotiating from a position of strength on defense. They do have one of the better defenses in the league, but they they aren't spending much money on it. I mean, what, their, their top six – they're not even at 20 million bucks for their whole entire defense. Right. Which is great. Right. So, but you also have to consider too. Yes. They've got Jake Gardner on long-term IR and he's he's not, he's out all year. Right. Yeah. He's not coming back. So that's another thing too, that maybe they're just, they're kind of missing a little bit. Right. I I wouldn't mind, you know, seeing a a defender in there that can maybe bring a little bit of grit too. So if maybe you don't want to swing big, you want to bring in somebody who can bring the grit a little bit more because look, uh, with Tony D'Angelo out, obviously Ethan Bear's got a few more minutes, and to me, he's not a guy that I expect to, you know, push the needle in either direction and really play that hard no style of game or really push for that big offensive type, you know. Yeah, he's uh, fine. He's a, he's a fine third pairing defenseman. Yeah. Absolutely, and Ian Cole to me, he's been up and down this year. He's not someone that I'm really going to rely upon. Uh, you know, he's a great number six, number seven defenseman, but other than that, I'm not really looking for him to play any bigger minutes. And so to me, I think, you know, you could look, you could look all the way to, oh, for example, you could look at a a Josh Manson, right? From Anaheim, if they start to slip out a little bit or, you know, slide away from a playoff spot, maybe and make a play for a guy like that, who again, can play some really tough, gritty minutes, or maybe even a Colin Miller in Buffalo. Yeah. When it, when it comes to Carolina though, I mean, I think they're probably, they're going to stick with this depth. There is a chance, though. I, I mean, just maybe in a uh, you know in a in a, a strange world, there's a chance 
that, you know, they, they do have UFAs themselves, which is an interesting scenario. You know, they've got Nino Niederreiter. He's having a pretty good season. He's got he's got 29 points this year. Uh, Vincent Drocek is having a, a really nice year. He's actually been able to stay healthy. He's got 37 <laughs> points, 15 goals. You know, he'll, he'll end up with tw- with a little over 20 goals. Um, I think that 30 goal season is uh, turning is is very much an anomaly for him, uh, but he's a 50 point guy, uh, and and not that you're maybe not, not that you're dying to trade one of them or both of them, but maybe there's a scenario where you think you can upgrade somewhere and you could give up a Nino Niederreiter to upgrade at a different in a different area at like the center position or with a Jacob Chikrin if. You know, if that were coming the other way, it wouldn't be going. It wouldn't be Niederreiter going to Arizona for Chikrin. But if you needed to move Niederreiter to acquire some other, like a first round pick, which Carolina does not have, uh, maybe you're moving out a Niederreiter to to balance your your team a little bit more. I I don't know that that's a probably an unlikely scenario, but you do have to consider the Hurricanes. That I mean. Niederreiter, Trocheck, there's a chance neither one of those guys signs there next year, uh, and that's going to leave a big hole for the Hurricanes. So maybe you you're thinking now, but you're also thinking later on because historically Carolina isn't a place where uh, where big name players just go sign there in the off season. So it you know they're they're signing guys like like an Anthony D'Angelo, somebody who is a talented player had some troubles off the ice and he's willing to to take a pay cut, come to Carolina. I mean, you got to be a special player to want to come to Carolina because while well, Rod Brindamore is a great coach, he's, he's hard. He's, he's going to work you. So I think there's, there's maybe some of that too. Um, and knowing that the owner of the team is kind of cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that maybe would bring a little bit of uncertainty to your position with the team and the team's, desire to pay for high-end players hasn't been there you know they, they've historically signed guys to less because it's a nice place to live and uh, maybe that's held the Carolina Hurricanes back from being the elite team over the course of a long time uh, but yeah I, I I don't know if it's is it time to start thinking about the future or are we just going for it here you're probably just going for it yeah, another piece, you know, again, I, I think if they do make a splash, right, I'm not really concerned about them spending money, um, you know, in free agency. I think, again, they're they're willing at this point, you know, with the team playing so well, they're willing to spend the money. But um, the concern for me is, you know, if they do want to take a swing for the fences and bring in a big-name player, money's got to go out, right? And you, you mentioned, you know, Nino, Nino Ryder. I think he's a guy who could be on the move. But another name that I think potentially could move to a team that maybe is willing to take a chance – on somebody who maybe is looking for, you know, younger players, uh, you know, maybe rebuilding their franchise right now uh, is a Yesberry Kokinami, right? So he's got oh, yeah. an offer sheet coming this offseason that I don't think Carolina wants to to give him. Oh, his so, uh, his like they have to match him, uh, right? So he's going like to be seven you know, million bucks, right? Exactly. So I, you know, obviously with his production and what he's shown this year, he's not a seven million dollar guy now. If for some reason, you know, behind the scenes, again, not not knowing what's going on behind closed doors, maybe they're working on an extension, say like a four year, you know, four mil, five year extension or something like that, where, is you know, they can that? get him. Is he well, I don't think that? so either. He's got 22, so either, 22 points. He's got 11 goals in 50 games. So, I mean, he's maybe he hits 20 goals, uh, which no. which in, in, he needs one more goal and he's got his career high in goals. So he, he's not really. No one's looking at him saying, "Oh, this guy needs to be a thirty goal scorer." Uh, no, but, no, no, no. But I, I think but you're I think hoping that he can put up fifty might, points. Right. There's teams out there that are going to take a chance on him because maybe they think at 21 he can still be a number two center on your team. Right. That's the thing. And, he's only 21. I mean, how yeah. many guys do you see teams give up on, and then, oh, at 24 he has a career year, and and oops, you shouldn't have given up on him, kind of thing. You know. Sure, but they, again, this comes back to can you know Carolina if they want to make a splash in the offseason, if they want to bring in a long-term piece like a Kleinberg or, uh, you know, a Chikrin, you know, at the deadline here, they've got to think long-term and having to give Coca Niemi a $7 million offer this offseason is not going to work out for that. So, 
Um, he's a guy I think, you know, again, just pay attention to going down this stretch where I think they might try to move him. Okay. Um, I, I like that thought yeah. process. I, I mean, I haven't heard anybody talking about Kokanyemi, but it's a, it's a great thought because yeah, I mean, do you want to have a $7 million Cusberry Kokanyemi? No. And you know what? You have to, I mean, they have to put, give him an offer sheet or they, like they have to match the, give him an offer for, for what he's got. So you have to do that in order to secure him. And he can say, no, I'll just sign my one year at $7 million. And then you know what? The next year they have to match him again. And then he gets right. another raise. And then he's at $8 million almost. And then he can do it again. Like, he can just keep on doing that. It's kind yep. of the NFL's version of the uh, the franchise tag in some respects. I mean, I know the franchise tag doesn't come till till unrestricted free agency in the NFL. But this is that style like hey you you're making this much well guess what next year you're guaranteed to be making a little bit more as long as you just don't accept a contract which on the one hand that's like betting on yourself all day long i mean what, right, what would you opposite. take would you take 20 million dollars over five years or would you go you know what i get seven million dollars next year and and then I'm going to get more probably or they're not, or I'm going to just become an unrestricted free agent and I guarantee you that you'll be able to get 4 million dollars in the open market especially in the years to come as the cap starts to go up and I so I mean I I think it's going to be tough to uh to to justify or for him to justify oh I'll sign a long-term deal at much less. I don't think he will. Yeah, He's that, got see, all now that's the gamble. Then you just that's go, well, just go ahead and, I mean, you don't have to match my match and you can let me go be a free agent and then he can be 21-year-old UFA and go sign wherever he wants. Right, but here's the thing. If he goes and, like, say a team, right, he gets traded to, oh, I don't know, like, say they make a deal, they bring in a guy like, uh, you know, Jacob Chikrin, for example, and he goes to Arizona, right, and they maybe spend, I don't know, you know, they didn't give up much in terms of, you know, they got – he was basically like a piece that came over just to move dollars, right? So there was really sure. no risk. They get their other pieces, first-rounder or whatever, you know, else, you know, Carolina throws in with that. But say they've got really no risk involved with this guy, and they say, cool, we're not going to resign you. We're just going to let you hit the market. And now maybe he goes out there. I know they wouldn't, but let's just say in this scenario that happens, right? And now he goes out in the market, and none of these other teams look at him and say, we're not giving you three or four million bucks. We saw what you – tried to do what you tried to handcuff Carolina or Arizona, you know, we're not going to take a gamble on you like that. So we're just going to give you 2 million bucks. And now you've kind of screwed yourself out of a potential contract. And now maybe, you know, mentally you're second guessing yourself. Am I really that good of a player? And next thing you know, let's, you're just let's kind of a washout guy. Montreal so. would go sign him. <laughs> I know. they would. <laughs> <laughs> just to be like, screw you guys. We're, we're taking them back for free. Right. We got our draft That's picks true. and we got the player. Um, all right. Well, let's let's move on from the Carolina Hurricanes now. I, I think we've, uh, we've we've dove in pretty deep. Uh, we'll see what kind of moves they make, and hopefully, both their goalies continue to stay healthy because this is that time of year. It's that time of year when uh, you know Frederick Anderson he's churning along, things are looking great, and then uh, he takes an extra long stride across the crease, and then the rest <laughs> of your year looks like uh, Game Seven against the Bruins. All right. Actually, that wasn't him. That was James Reimer. So. Still. <laughs> it's just etched in my heart, etched in my soul forever and ever. Um, oh, boy. All right. Let's go to the second place team in the division, a surprising Pittsburgh Penguin team. That, I mean, I don't think we're surprised that they're in the playoff picture at all. I mean, they, they, they still have tons of talented players on this team, very high-end elite players. Uh, but with so many injuries early on, we were like, this team needs to hang on and hope then that they can drag themselves back into the playoffs like they have done the last couple of years. Uh, but they they were never out of it. I mean, they were always right there in the playoff picture, always in the mostly in the top three in this division, sometimes that wild card position, and now they're pretty sturdy sitting in second place. Uh, I mean, only three points ahead of the Rangers, but they're, it looks like the Penguins will find their way into the top three of this division, uh, assuming things keep going the way that they're going. And boy, if there's a team out there that is a pure buyer, like the future be damned because there's, I mean, 
Crosby's 34, Malkin's 35, Latang's 34. We got to get going and see if we can win another cup. What do the Penguins do? What does Brian Burke and Ron Hextall do to push the Penguins over the cliff of winning the Stanley Cup? Yeah, you mentioned it, right? The old guys, right? All their, all four, their, their top, their four centermen, Crosby, Malkin, Carter, and Brian Boyle. None of them are under the age of thirty-four, so they are definitely pushing for a Stanley Cup here. I mean, again, I think honestly, if I'm the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, if I'm Ron Hextall, honestly, I'm not making any big moves, right? I'm not going all in because I think you have to think a little bit long-term, right? What happens if Malkin goes to Russia or doesn't resign or goes somewhere else, right? What if Chris Letang goes and signs somewhere else and you can't get him locked up, right? Again, all these scenarios that may or may not happen, but you know, at that point, you have to say, okay, crap, well, now we got to hit the reset button and, you know, figure out what Crosby wants to do. But, um, you know, to me, I think if you can make a move and bring in a big-name piece, yes, that would be great. Um, but I think with roughly, you know, $3 million in cap space at the deadline that they're going to have. Which isn't bad really... for, a, for a playoff team to have no. to have almost $3 million bucks in cap space. I mean, for their, uh, for, yeah, for the deadline space, about $3 million, which is, which is more than a lot of teams have. Right. Absolutely. Now, if it was me, I mean, personally, what I would do is I would look for a bottom six forward for this team and a backup goaltender. I think that's where my concern would be the most. Just because one, if Tristan Jari goes down with any sort of injury, you're screwed. There's no way I'm taking or riding Casey to Smith into the playoffs or into the final stretch down the, you know, down into the playoffs here past the deadline. Uh, this guy has been below average. Just, I would rather take, you know, Koskinen at this point uh, or Mike Smith out of Edmonton. And so, um, you know, to me, those are the two moves I'm doing. And if I'm targeting anybody, right, if I'm Pittsburgh, maybe I'm looking, when I'm looking at goaltenders, maybe I'm looking at, you know, again, you have to look at cheap options. I might look across the state at a guy like Martin Jones. Uh, maybe, again, a little further upstate at Craig Anderson in Buffalo or maybe even across the country at Scott Wedgwood out of Arizona. Those are guys that are going to be cheap. You're going to come in, and I know I'm going to get decent production out of those guys. And again, all three of those goaltenders, I would take over Casey DeSmith right now at this point, the way they're playing, especially Craig Anderson. I remember when he came into Washington and basically yeah. almost saved their bacon in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, certainly down the stretch, too, there's a lot of games that are about to be played. Uh, it would help Tristan Jari to not have to play the the vast majority of those. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. that's very now, important. If I want to go for, you know, depth at the forward position, I might look, you know, maybe at Seattle and go Carl Yarncroak. I think he's a guy who could. That's why I was. Some... I was actually going to say Cali Yarncroak is one yes. of my targets for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I feel like he is a. He reminds me a little bit of like a Nick Bonino, uh, like just a, a Haglin, somebody who can just come in. They're they're not necessarily going to score a bunch of goals. But he's played in enough playoff games. I mean, he's Kelly Arncroke. He's he's been in the playoffs almost every year. I think every year of his career, he's made the playoffs. So if he doesn't get traded, this will be the first year he doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, he's he isn't putting up put up big points in the playoffs, but he's he's reliable uh, when it when it comes down to it. You know, he's having a good year. He's really having one of his better years. I mean, granted, he's playing on a bad team. Uh, so he's getting maybe some more opportunities, but uh, he's on pace to to break his career high of 16 goals, which he's done twice. He's got 10 goals right now, so he's having a nice year. It would be a good move to bring him in. He'd come in cheap, and I, I think he'd fit right in because he, I mean, he can play every position too. That's yep a, a rare feat, <laughs> <laughs> right? And especially with you when you have older guys like Brian Boyle and Jeff Carter, maybe you want to give them a night or two off, right? And especially Brian Boyle, don't get me wrong, I love him. He's a great face-off guy, but you're not going to get a lot of offensive production out of a guy like that. And so maybe you want to, you know, use him as your, you know, 13th forward or something like that and give him, you know, the the rest during the the playoffs and bring in a guy like Yarncroft to fill in there at, at the center position on your fourth line and you know, and speaking of centers, maybe a couple other guys I look at who can play the center position. Uh Tyler Ennis or maybe a Sam Gagne. Now, they're not going to bring the grit that a young croc I think would bring you, but they still have, you know, those intangibles that, that offensive, you know, finesse that maybe 
you know, Pittsburgh likes to play with. And I think they could keep up and especially if needed, if for example, like, you know, guys like, um, you know, gosh, uh, Kasperi Kapanen, you know, Brian Russ, Jake Gensel, if these guys go down for long periods of time and you need somebody to fill in at those top six roles, guys like Tyler Ennis or Sam Gagne could certainly step in and fill those positions on the short term anyways. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I, if, if the Penguins, I'll say go small at the deadline, uh, then those are, those are absolutely the type of players that they would go for. I mean, then you're just talking, let's, let's fill in the line, let's fill everything else in and let's see what we can do. Um, that's, that's maybe, a maybe the old Ron Hextall kind of way of, of doing it is the like, don't take big risks. We trust the team we have, which is, which is a fine way to do it. Uh, but I, I think he may have learned from past mistakes that when the opportunity knocks, sometimes you got to take it. Sometimes you got to go all in and what, what better time to go all in than this year where they're, I mean, Malkin and Latang they might resign next year. Great. They're signing probably for less in terms of Malkin at least. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, then you can, you can keep on going. Uh, but maybe this is it for this, like this full iteration of the penguins. So I think it's time. I think your fans deserve it. These players deserve it who have been here for so long together. This is your one last chance. And there's one player that if I were the penguins, I'd target and that's Tomas Hurdle. He is a, Ooh. he is, would be a perfect player for the Pittsburgh penguins. He could play on the wing on the power play. He can go play on the wing. He can be, play with Crosby or Malkin. He could, you know, you can slide him up and down the lineup anywhere. Jeff Carter wouldn't have to play center. He could play the wing and Tomas Hurdle can play center. Uh, if anyone goes down, let's say Malkin has another injury. He goes down. You've got Hurdle who can slot up on that second line just beautifully. Uh, and based on what I think you'd have to give up to acquire Hurdle, uh, you're talking a first round pick and then you're talking probably a prospect or maybe another high draft pick, you know, maybe a first and a second and then like a B prospect, something like that. So the Penguins could definitely do it. They have the cap space because Pittsburgh or uh, San Jose could eat half the, half the, the contract or, you know, or they can move them to somewhere else, give a fourth round pick and have them eat, eat half it. There, there's lots of ways around that. They've got enough room to where that's not an issue based on what hurdle makes. And tell me with Tomas Hurdle that the Penguins don't all of a sudden look like legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. Yeah, assuming everybody's healthy, right? Sure, I mean, sure. I mean that's that, to... that is, that's the assumption for every team in the National Hockey League. Everyone needs to be healthy right. probably in order to win. Yeah, I mean honestly, I I would think they're contenders alone right now with uh, you know Crosby and Malkin playing the way they are, and Latang to me is playing probably his best hockey I've I've seen him play. Since they're, you know, in like five or six years. <laughs> yeah, even probably longer than that, maybe best ever. But, you know, again, I, I think, you know, the, the big key for me is Tristan Jari, who, you know, again, who, you know, hasn't been the guy for any sort of playoff success. And so, you know, again, he went last year, six games, 0.888 save percentage over three goals against. Um, you know, are you going to get an elite goaltender in the playoffs or are you going to get this mediocre, below average goaltender? So, if he can step in the playoffs and, you know, raise his game up a little bit. Now, he doesn't need to play necessarily at, you know, a 952s, you know, or, you know, sure, 940 sure. save percentage to win. If he can give them 19s, maybe 920s in the playoffs, I think this team could be poised to go deep, especially, you know, in the Metro where maybe, you know, they don't have to worry about super high scoring teams like, you know, Florida or Tampa Bay to, to you know, step up and play first anyways. I mean, it sure looks like the Penguins and the Rangers uh, have a have a date right now. <laughs> right. They're they're both kind of locked in where they are. And, and of course, plenty can change. Uh, the, the, they're playing each other twice at the end of March on the 25th and the 28th. So a potential little preview there of, of that. Uh, they did play each other what last week in Pittsburgh won one to nothing. So yeah. And the Rangers aren't a high scoring team. So right, right. You're right. And that, that certainly helps. Uh, but yeah, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has been, been that team in the playoffs that they, they come charging in, they come hot and they just, they've, they've met a, a better defensive team. So 
at the same time, it would worry me with the Rangers, a good defensive team with the best goaltender in the world right now. Uh, that's that's going to be a difficult beat as well. Um, okay, let's continue to the Rangers. That's uh, a good good little transition there. And I'm wondering here, the New York Rangers, do we see Lafreniere or Capocacco traded at the deadline to bring in players that can actually contribute? Is that the yeah. piece that they use? Dangling those out there. That and... Uh, Oh shoot! I'm forgetting the name of the player who is a Russian uh, Krabstov, Vitaly Krabstov. Yes, I, I yeah, think I. He's. I do go. agree. I think. I think one of those three guys will go now. I think Lafreniere is probably the odd man out. I think he's safe. I don't think they move him uh, because again they first with Lafreniere. Yes, he's a first overall pick. But not only that too. I think it's it's been a little unfair for him because he's he's a natural left winger and they've been trying to force him on that right wing all season long and, and it just really hasn't worked out as well as they had hoped. And I think that's no fault of his. I mean, when you've got, you know, Chris Kreider and Panarin on the left wing on the depth chart, you know, what else are you going to do with this guy? So at, at 20 years old, there's still time for him to, you know, to feel it out. Maybe, you know, he's, he's slated to be a third line left winger for the rest of his career, which, you know, if he produces well enough, you know, maybe that's okay. I mean, look, Phil Kessel on the third line worked out all right for Pittsburgh. So, you know, maybe that's what you get out of Frenier moving forward. But, if, if I'm this Rangers team, right, the one big piece that I'm targeting is a top six right winger because, again, like I mentioned, Lafreniere just hasn't been the guy that they've hoped for on that right wing. And so, to me, I mean, the one name that I've been hearing pop up lately, and this is the guy that I really get excited about, uh, create the reunion, right? And, you know, yes, he might not get traded. Um, you know, I think Vancouver would be stupid to trade this guy, but there have been rumblings, and, you know, usually when there's smoke, there's fire. And to me, J.T. Miller would be a perfect fit back in New York to come back, have the reunion, and sign in long-term, I think he would be ideal to put in a top-six position on the right wing. You could slot him on that second line with Panarin and Strom. Now you get a little bit more grit, and you get a guy like JT Miller who, if needed, can swap in and play center. Can literally play because, anywhere you want him to play. Right, because Strom is not – Strom's an okay face-off guy, but he's not, you know, the best. And so when it gets a little bit grittier, when it gets a little bit tougher to take those draws at the end of the game – Maybe you throw a you know a JT Miller in there who's pretty good at faceoffs. So, um, well, and, to me, and he's don't that forget guy. JT Miller is signed for another year after this. So I, I do think the cost is going to be pretty high for JT Miller. Uh, right, which is why if you throw in a guy like Capocacco, for example, you know a number two overall pick, a guy who's only twenty one and really is not going to cost you a lot to re-sign this year, maybe three four million bucks at the most. Ideally, with a cap-strapped team like the Vancouver Canucks, that would be, you know, a nice little consolation piece, if you want to call it that. And then, of course, you know, you'll go after your, you know, you'll try to maybe get three pieces out of this, maybe a first-round pick, second-round pick, or, you know, a prospect, what have you. So, to yeah. me, I think that would be pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kako, has, he's been hurt, right? But uh, yes. he was playing with Zabinijad and Kreider on that top line. Uh, so, I mean, it's not as if the Rangers have, have given up on him. I mean, he hasn't, you know, he's got what, 14 points in 37 games. Uh, he's been really good on the penalty kill. They have missed him on the penalty kill being a hurt. I, there's, it's so hard. I mean, if you trade Capocacco and then all of a sudden he becomes a superstar, no, it's not worth it for JT Miller. That's the hard thing. I, I think that's where, it's it's likely that it'll be Kravtsov who's traded. I mean, he's still someone who's highly touted. Uh, I guess maybe the maybe the one thing that you're concerned about. I mean, he's not going to play this year. He's in the KHL. Uh, I don't think that he'd come back. And the concern, of course, is going to be that he's Russian and what's going on in the world right now. Uh, is he going to come to the NHL at all? I mean, there's already been a lot of reports about players experiencing uh, some just, I'll just say racist kind of uh, stuff happening to them, death threats, and all because they're Russian. I mean, obviously these hockey players aren't uh, aren't the ones doing any of the <laughs> the bombing, and but yet they're because they're Russian, they're they're being targeted by people and uh, nasty things happening, and that's 
that that is going to weigh on in in on players and if it, and if it you know determines where they're going to go next year i mean maybe a lot of them just say i'm just going to stay in the khl uh where i know i'm probably more safe from backlash of what rush is doing and that would make me really hesitant about Kravtsov because he's sure. already shown and that he's a little bit i'll just he's say a diva. angsty <laughs> divas <laughs> one way angsty's yeah. another uh that that is what would make me concerned is that you're really trading for somebody that you have no guarantees you're ever even going to see right like and literally that's you think... might never see him right. <laughs> in person you might not see right. him and because he might not come over you don't know that's why i think a guy like capocaco is going to be so valuable as a trade asset but you for want this team. so you're going to have to give up a lot to get him i think he's just too young you know i mean yeah but if you can bring in a guy like jt miller i mean i I would do it in a heartbeat because you get a proven entity in a guy like JT Miller versus a guy who may or may not still turn out. I mean, I look at Columbus and Winnipeg, right? That Pierre-Luc Dubois for, you know, Patrick Laine deal. And it, it, you know, again, Patrick Laine, you know, was a superstar prior to the trade, but you still made the move to bring in a top six center. And I think, you know, New York's got to make that kind of move. And now they don't have to give up a guy who was a proven 40 goal scorer, right? So they, they don't have to give up a guy who was a you know, a potential superstar. They get a guy who might be a superstar. So, all right. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. And I think if maybe they want to go, you know, a little bit cheaper, maybe you can go to, a, you know, Vegas, for example, and target a guy like Riley Smith, who, who might get moved uh, just because of cap, you know, issues with Alec Martinez or, you know, if Mark Stone comes back early, they might have to move some money out, um, you know, or maybe you go after a guy like Joe Pavelski, right? Who's a guy who can play on the right wing or yeah, play I mean, center. The, too. the Rangers only have, $32 million in deadline cap space. <laughs> no issues there. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they can, they can trade for literally anyone right now. Uh, <laughs> multiple superstar high end players. If they, you know, so, so had the resources. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, they're like one of the only teams where, I mean, they, they barely have, more cap space next year than they do this year, and they have multiple players coming off the books uh, because of their Adam Fox deal and and Zabinijad resigning. Uh, they've got a couple big resignings that they've done in the in the this year. But yeah, the Rangers. I when I look at them, do I see a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup this year? I mean. They probably are that next tier of like, well, yeah, they of course have the chance. You know, everybody, they have to keep playing the way they're playing right now and get incredible goaltending. Uh, there's with the Rangers though, with on the forward position, Artemi Panarin, fantastic. Kreider having a career year. Uh, Spinajad's really good. I just, I'm wondering if they are missing that depth scoring that you'd like to see from a team that's going to win the cup. Like I don't look in their bottom six and go, Ooh, that player is going to have a really nice playoff for them. I mean, Barkley Goodrow, I know that he's there because of that, because of his history. But other than him, I I don't know that there's a lot in that top six or bottom six. And that is always an issue come playoff time. So that's going to be probably there. If they can find scoring down the roster, the Rangers have a chance. If they don't, they they are probably losing the first round. Yeah, that very well could be true. Now, let me throw out two names to you, um, because again, their new GM came out and said that they're going to go through a full rebuild. Um, if you're the Rangers, are you willing to take a chance on maybe a Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves? All day for Patrick Kane. I've got all day for Patrick Kane. All day, yes, sir. <laughs> all day. <laughs> I mean, he's the the. I mean, he's got what. Ten and a half million next year. If Chicago's willing to hang on to half that, uh, yeah, I'm I'm willing to do a lot of things to get Patrick Kane on my team. Can but you imagine Panarin, Panarin and Kane? Oh my god! Well, where does Kreider, Kreider somewhere else? Like, yeah, unbelievable. That's a team that has no centers and just a ton of wingers. <laughs> There's your right wing problem right there. So yeah, uh, Patrick yeah. Kane all day. Now, I'll take Patrick Kane over JT Miller. Just to, just a just a slight nudge. Okay, I I don't disagree with you. Although JT not not knocking JT Miller, he's just not more than a point per game guy like Kane is. Uh, Kane's been Kane's having a real nice season this year too. 
Yeah, it'll with be... no center, mind you, too. True, true, with no center. Um, all right, well, should we hit our last team? Which, I mean, speaking of the Blackhawks, Marc-Andre Fleury, he's got to be going somewhere, right? Like, got to Well, I've been hearing this last team. Heard their name a few the times. The Washington Capitals. Would Marc-Andre Fleury betray the Pittsburgh Penguins and yeah, go play for the Washington <laughs> Capitals? Uh, wasn't it the Washington Capitals that beat Vegas in the cup final? Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was. So, uh, yeah, he's lost to the Capitals a lot. But he's also beat the Capitals a lot. Uh, I guess he hasn't lost to, lost to them that much because when the Penguins played them, the Penguins always beat them. Uh, okay, the Capitals. This is is there a is there a team in the league that reminds you more of like 2010 Detroit Red Wings? <laughs> Maybe 2000, well 2011. You know, somewhere that that team where you're you look at their roster and you go, how are they still doing this? This is amazing. They keep on. They just keep on going, and every year you go. This will probably be no. Wow, they're in the playoffs again, and hey, they could win a round. They could, they could win the cup if things go right. I mean, that's this team. They could win the cup if things go right. And Kuznetsov has had a really nice uh, rebound from a tumultuous year last year with the with the Capitals. I mean, he's fifty points in fifty two games. He's played great. Uh, worth every penny. The, this Capitals team is just, I'd say, oh, wh- what game was I watching? I was watching them, and, and the broadcaster said, you know, they they still have so much talent, but they're just not as fast as they were when they won the Cup in 2017. And that's such an accurate depiction of this team. Like They're still a really good team. Lots of talent. But the speed just isn't there in comparison to their counterparts within the division and within the conference. Yeah, that's that's well said. I mean, you look at the ages, right, of their, their core group of players. I mean, Backstrom's 34, Ovechkin's 36. All he does is just sit up at the top of the circle and score goals. Uh, TJ Oshie's 35. Tom Wilson, yeah, he's 27, but he was never the fastest guy in the world anyways. Um, gosh, I mean, They only you look have at one their- defenseman under the age of 30. Right, that's unbelievable. And none of these, none of these guys were besides John Carlson on defense are known as big, fast-moving, playmaking guys. I mean, Justin Schultz used to be, but to me now he's sort of, you know, his game has sort of changed a little bit. I think he's more of a sit back and let the game come to him type guy. But uh, you know, again, I, you know, it's speed, right? Speed kills, and I think that's where you know that's where the NHL is these days. And so you know. Washington has to win in different ways, right? They've got to kill you on special teams. They've got to beat you as far as, um, you know, they've got to, I, I think if like you took this team from Washington and kind of put them into a, you know, Calgary flame type defensive system uh, where you're trying to win games two to one, they would probably flourish a lot more, right? Cause you're sitting back waiting for teams to make mistakes mm. and then you're pouncing on them. Um, you know, I think, that would have them, you know, a little bit more successful. But to me, again, the age is a concern. And the fact that, you know, again, they don't have, I mean, yes, they've got $3.8 million to play with at the deadline and they could probably move some money out, um, you know, to create a little bit more room, but you know, they don't really have the type of goaltending that's going to steal you a series. They don't really have, you know, outside of OV and, you know, Kuznetsov and Backstrom, they don't really have the offense in terms of middle six. That's really going to go out there and, you know, help really that I would, I would say like, okay, good. If, if their top line can't get it done, we've got other guys down here that can support us, can, you know, provide the offense. Right. And I think, yeah, getting Anthony Mantha back at some point is going to be great, but he's not a a line driver. He's not, you know, going to go out there and steal the show for you. So that's, that's where my biggest concern is for this team is, you know, how are they going to score when Ovechkin is getting shut down? Right. Because again, not the fastest team, so he's not going to beat you with speed. And if teams can find a way to neutralize him other ways, especially on the power play, how is this team going to beat you? Yeah, I mean, I'll say that's what uh, everybody's been saying for Ovechkin's whole career. If we can just neutralize him on the power play, we'll beat the, right. we'll beat the Capitals. Uh, that's Yeah, that's... Uh, I, he he always scores in the playoffs. I mean, he he's very rarely not scored 
goals in droves in the playoffs. I mean, he had one year where he, in seven games, he only had a goal. Uh, that was 12 13. Uh, last year, he had two goals in five games. You know, that he he's finding ways to score. You're, you're not worried about Ovechkin scoring in the playoffs, but it's the rest of the team that needs to go. And Kuznetsov, not great last year. I mean, that was a huge... He only played three games in the playoffs. He he went nil for nil for nil all the way across the board. And uh, this is a different team this year with, with Kuznetsov. Uh it's going to come down to goaltending, though. I mean, Vitek Vanacek only played in two games all of February. Uh, he gets hurt against the Penguins on February 1st, and then he goes in against the Leafs uh, in backup. And uh, he, he actually played really well just, what, three, four days ago, uh, three days ago. He played really well in a losing. He, he They lost, but only allowed one goal on 17 shots and uh, played played a pretty good game, held the Capitals in that one for as long as he could. Uh, but it's ultimately, that's that's what it's going to come down to. Is, I mean, I don't think Samsonov's the answer. I also don't really think Vitek Vanacek is the long-term answer. Uh, I think that they're, collectively, they're fine. But in the playoffs where you need somebody to step up, they're going to need to make a trade. What, what needs to happen for them to get Marc-Andre Fleury in here? Because that is... That is the best move that the Capitals could make, in my opinion. Right. No, I don't disagree with you. I think Mark andre Fleury is the obvious pick for any team that needs help on goaltending, right? Edmonton, uh, maybe even Vegas if you're you know, starting to worry about Leonard a little bit. But, again, I don't think that Fleury, again, he can, he's going to control his own destiny, right? He's, sure. he's come to management has basically said that, hey, you know, whatever you want to do, we'll support you. If you want to go out, we'll move you. If you want to stay, we'll let you stay. I don't think he wants to go to Washington. Obviously, he wants to win a cup. Uh, you know, he might look at a Colorado. He might look at a Vegas and be willing to go to those teams. Maybe Edmonton, uh, you know, cap issues withstanding. But I don't think he's going to want to go to Washington. I, I think for a guy who um, has got a lot of shit, you know, from... Hey, Yager went to the Flyers. Yeah, I will give you that. Yager did go to the Flyers, but... I, I just think that this team is not going to go make a move for a guy like Mark Andre Fleury, who's going to be the prize goaltending, you know, asset this deadline. So they're just not going to be willing to risk a lot of futures to get him. I think if you want to look at cheaper options, who, who, you know, maybe they go after a guy with a lot of proven playoff success, which is probably what they would like to get. And a guy like Fleury, I think you look at a guy who used to play there, Braden Holpe. Um, oh, to that me, would be interesting. He, he's been having a pretty decent year in Dallas. And I think at some point, you know, obviously Ottinger is the guy there in Dallas. I think they're going to play him out. They're going to give him, if they do make the playoffs, they're going to give him the starts. Yeah, so but, I think if you're, but it's not as if Holtby has had a good year. Why, like, why would you want to bring Holtby in when he's he's played eh, really not that much better than what you've got already? Well, so again, I, it's the playoff success, right? It's the fact that he's, he's been able to come in. Yep. Yeah, he's won them a cup. So I think, again, he's playing at a 9-12 save percentage right now um, on a team that can't really score a ton of goals. And so I think, you know, if he goes to a team like Dallas or like Washington from Dallas, I think, again, even if he plays at slightly better than the 9-12, 9-15, maybe 9-20, I think would be exactly yeah, what Washington all you could would want for, on the yeah. goaltender. Right. Yeah. And so I think this is a guy who went in and, you know, has won them a cup. So he knows what it takes to compete at that level. He knows what it takes to go deep in the playoffs. That would be a great, great addition for them. But if they want to go even cheaper, right, maybe you could look at a guy like Anton Forsberg out of Ottawa, who's 29, who, again, doesn't have the credentials a guy like Holpe or Fleury does. But, you know, I would probably throw him in there, see what he can do. And if maybe, you know, a guy like Vanacek just isn't cutting it for you in the playoffs, you know, then maybe you give a guy like Forsberg a look. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess they, um, they had an opportunity to get Forsberg off of waivers. I don't know that. I, sure. Yeah, that, but at that point, honestly, if you're bringing in a guy like Forsberg, you're not looking for him to really steal anybody's job. I no. think you would bring him in, you know, on a you know injury basis, right? Somebody goes down, but I mean, Washington's uh, in a pretty similar place that the Penguins are in. They're they're an older team. They're going to age out. It is time to do something here. They've got almost four million in cap space. They could also, I mean, there's there's players that they could move out that are down their lineup to make a little bit more room. Uh, so there's, there's options for the Washington capitals. And I mean, it's, 
it's probably do or die here uh, with this group. I mean, you're not going to see this group uh, performing at as high of a, you know, again, this is just like the Red Wings. Well, they're not going to be as good next year. And then next year they're just as good. Uh, but is this just like we're, we're toiling, we're like twiddling our fingers here that, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to get run over. You know, they're going to yeah. lose in six games. Ah, uh, yeah, their experience will win them a game or two, or maybe a round, but they're not going to win the cup. I mean, this this team's not going to win the cup. So you need to put yourself in a position to be able to say, I think we could win the cup. We need to make a move, but we we could win the cup. They've got draft picks. They, they could do this thing. Uh, I think it's just a matter of, you know, are they willing to give up assets to, to acquire who they need to get? Uh, because they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're similar to a lot of teams where, you know, they, they do have their high end talent and then they need to fill in the bottom of part of their roster, which tends to happen at the trade deadline. So we'll, we'll see if Washington can find a goalie and fill the rest in, but it's going to be tough for Washington to beat Carolina. Remember, like, that's who they would play in the first round. Remember, that was kind of the Carolina was playing the Washington Capitals, and they they beat the Capitals in the playoffs. And it was like, holy crap, this Carolina team's for real. They beat the Capitals. And now things are are flipped. Now the Capitals are, are kind of that, like, that team you kind of expect to lose in the first round in Carolina, you're you're looking at them to to blow through the Capitals in my estimation, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens come playoff time because that's sure how it looks like it's going to shake out. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, right? So if you're Washington's GM, do you say, do I want to risk future assets, knowing that maybe, you know, again, <laughs> our chances are pretty slim against Carolina. Yes, you could you could go out when you have the playoff pedigree to do so, but. Yeah, are you going to beat Carolina and then Pittsburgh or New York and then Tampa, Toronto, Florida, <laughs> Boston? Right. Like, are you going to beat three of those three of those teams? I don't think so. I don't think they've got the the manpower to do it. No, I agree, and or that's why goaltending. I think. Yeah, and the goaltending is the concern for me, right? Bigger than anything else. Um, yeah, and to me, I just honestly, I. I don't have a lot of faith in this Washington team, not only being successful in the playoffs, but down the stretch too. And that's why I mentioned earlier that I think if there's any team that could fall out, it could be Washington and Columbus could find a way to sneak in. That would, that would be unexpected at this point with, uh, with what 30 games left to go less than that. 20, 27 ish, 28 games left to go. And Columbus is a team with absolutely, absolutely zero pressure, right. To win anything. And Washington has all the pressure to continue winning because they got old guys that are still on big contracts for a while. Yeah, it's another reason why I think they could use a shakeup. Like they need to probably trade for someone who can just just calm everybody down, and that's that's going to be a goaltender. Uh, if it's not Mark Andre Fleury, you know there there are some other options out there that they they could explore. Um, but probably, I mean, the Blue Jackets aren't going to make a deal with them. You know, they're not, they're not going to uh, give up Corpusallo to uh, to send. And is he better than what you've got right now, anyways? Yeah, that's a. I think so, but that's not that's not a confident. I think so. <laughs> I don't have that much confidence in that statement. So, uh, yeah, maybe if maybe. If the St. Louis Blues are willing to part with Billy Huso, but at, no way, yeah, no way, yeah, no, it's they're they're gonna hang on to him. They got they yeah, the way to. Bennington's been playing, right? You can't. I mean, if you want a you starting goaltender right now, it's Chicago is the only team that you're probably calling. Maybe Dallas, uh, but I don't know why Dallas in the in a in a position where you know they're they're trying to make the playoffs why they would give up their backup goalie. You know, that's that wouldn't make any sense either. So it's, I mean, maybe you can convince the Kraken to to deal Drieger. I mean, that, that would be, that that is something that if you're the, if you're the Kraken, that's what I'd be looking at. I mean, you can, he's cheap and it would be easy, you know, hey, they could trade him to another team. They keep half and, you know, then you don't have to hang on to any money. I don't know if anyone would want to hang on to three years worth of, or two more years worth of money, but he's at only a three and a half. 
I mean, you could trade for Drieger right now, and he could be your starting goalie for the next three years. That's not a bad position to be in either. I know that he's kind of struggled in Seattle, but everyone in Seattle well, everybody has struggled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think you're willing to hope that he's at least somewhere in the middle of that 927, 938 that he had a couple years ago, and the 893 he is right now. Like Maybe he's a 920 goaltender, and that would be fantastic. Uh, I think he's the one you go out and uh, if you're looking long term, you know, maybe you don't, you probably don't have to give up a ton for Drieger, uh, but you, you'll have to give up some, some like B, B level type of things, probably multiples of them to be able to bring him in. But all right. Well, that's, uh, I think, I think that about covers the top end of that Metro division. We'll, uh, we'll keep going on, on our playoff team stuff. We'll, uh, probably have to grab a few teams from a few different divisions as we've we've kind of tackled most of the divisions or at least most of these high-end teams so we'll we'll just string a few of them together and uh we'll be back for another show justin i hope you have a great rest of your week you too sir all right well we'll talk to you guys later find us on twitter at ot hockey talk until next time